the children's message. I've got to find some children on my screen here. <laughs> there they are. Hi, guys. Hi. How are you girls today? Good. How are you? I'm pretty good. <laughs> I was wondering, do you like going to the beach? I like to when it's not cold. When it's not cold. Because so then I'll I can jump in the water. You like to go in the water? And if yeah. it's so if it's if it's cold, what happens at the beach? I'll go to it. You don't go? You don't ever go? <laughs> no. Oh, it gets windy and the waves get rough sometimes and and well, sometimes it, I bury myself in the sand. You might bury yourself in warm sand, yeah. Yeah. Did you know that there are creatures in the sea that we don't even know are there? No. People who have studied the science of the ocean, the oceanographers and um, what are the other ones called that, that look at the sea marine creatures? Marine biologists. Yeah, marine biologists have looked and... Um, Every time they start looking deeper and deeper in the ocean or in different places, they seem to find something new. There are all kinds of amazing things in there. The oceans are so big that we don't know what's there really. And in some ways I can see the ocean is kind of like God. It surrounds all the land, it surrounds us, and there are mysteries about it that we just don't understand. And sometimes it can be very dangerous and seem cold to us. And other times it's warm and beautiful and calming and peaceful. And so those are all things that I think we all connect to as far as knowing about God. And those of us who live a little bit farther from the ocean than some of you do, don't get to see it all the time. And so when we see it, we're always a little bit, especially if we've been away from it for a while, we're always a little bit surprised that it's so big and that it goes so far we can't even see it. And I think it's a good way for us to kind of understand how many things come from God that we connect to our lives and we don't even sometimes realize that that ocean is there. For example, if you've ever painted a picture or sung a song or, or played a musical instrument or written a story, there are many things that you can do to use creativity, what we call creativity. But what is that except it's that spirit of God coming into us, filling us and helping us to be more than we thought we were. Very often when we start to do those things, we find out we're bigger than we thought we were. And it's not really us, is it? It's that image of God in us because we are all made in God's image and that's one of the gifts that God gives us is that creativity, that ability to imagine different things and come up with new ideas. And so when you're being creative, a lot of people who are creative don't even realize it's God working in them. 
but it is. So God makes us creative and imaginative. And there are a lot of hidden secrets about God that we are still always discovering. And I hope during your lives that you'll continue to discover those special things that other people haven't figured out about God. So shall we pray? Wonderful God, thank you for making us imaginative and creative and giving us each the ability to think of our own stories and our own ways of, of expressing things to the world. We ask that you give us the power to dance and to sing and to praise your name and worship you in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So these, these lessons today are for the St. Luke the Apostle Sunday is what we are on today. And it includes the very beginning of the book of Luke, the very first um, verses, and the end of the book of Luke, the very end of Luke. And so it, in a way, it encompasses all of Luke, like that ocean encompasses the land and connects with us in ways that we don't know. It washes over us in different in different times of our lives with different ways to change our minds or, or, or to clear ourselves or to um, go through rough times and then to find ourselves back on our feet again. It gives us peace sometimes. And Luke begins his gospel saying, I've tried to lay out all these things in all these things in an orderly manner. People have gone before me and laid them out in an orderly way, but I'm going to go ahead and, and give you what has been handed to us. I've studied it carefully and I'm giving you what's handed to us and making it known to you in an orderly fashion. So I've begun to write it down. Some of the stories we see in Luke are, are interesting, different, um, the different stories we, we know so well that are found in Luke are like the Good Samaritan or the story, story of the prodigal son. And those, um, those lessons tell us a lot about how to, all of the lessons in Luke tell us a lot about how to live a life it's dedicated to prayer. Jesus prays a lot and that looks for or connects to the spirit. There's a lot of, of um, references to unclean spirits or to the Holy Spirit in different ways. And so it's a very spiritual and prayful, prayerful kind of book compared to, I think, the other gospels. And so in that way, it's comforting. And of course, the most famous story that's in Luke that really isn't in the other Gospels is the nativity and how Jesus actually came to be on earth as a baby in a manger. And so all these things are kind of combined, I think, to kind of give us the 
end then of this gospel that we come to here, where in the last chapter of Luke, Luke 24, a lot goes on. First of all, the women go to the tomb and the women see, you know, are find out that the tomb's empty and then they eventually see Jesus and they go back to the disciples and the disciples don't really believe them. They think it's an idle tale at that point. But Peter and the other disciple run and go and look. And so in the meantime, they're kind of discovering that Jesus is, is back after dying on the cross. But um, they're still doubtful. And then in chapter 24, then after that, they find, we find the people walking on the road to Emmaus. And this is another story that's only in Luke and not in the other gospels about Cleopas and his companion walking on the road and how they start talking to Jesus, but they don't realize he's Jesus and he walks along with them. And finally um, he starts telling them about all the scriptures and how the Messiah was going to be revealed and opens their minds it's, or opens their, yeah, opens their minds to what the, all the scriptures mean. And just as they get to their house, they've said to him, we have hoped, we had hoped that Jesus was the one. We had this hope in our hearts. And they get to their house and he starts to leave. And they say, Oh, please come, come, come in. And so he comes in and as he breaks the bread, as you know, they see him in the breaking the bit bread and then he disappears. And so they realize that they have seen the risen Jesus and they hurry up and go back to Jerusalem and they um, tell the other disciples that are there meeting the the 11 it says so there's already 13 of them there I guess and they tell them that they've seen Jesus and then as he they're talking about this Jesus appears to them and again he gives them tells grants them peace he always always when you find an angel or a, a a vision from the other world, those things that are from God, when God appears to us, they always say to us, be at peace. Peace be with you. Don't be afraid. Peace. And so he does that. And we start understanding or they start understanding through what he says and how he opens their heart now again to the scriptures and and the things that were made known to them but they're not quite understanding everything in the law of Moses and the prophets and the psalms will be fulfilled and then we are to remember that important um idea of repenting and forgiving 
repenting of all that we've done, of thinking about our mistakes or our failures to see God or our failures to help or our failure to heal someone else when we could in those ways and then to forgive, to forgive those who have sinned against us, to forgive the actions of people in the past who may not even know they've harmed us and to spread that message, to spread the message of healing and forgiveness to all. Because of course, because of the death on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because he has come to heal the world and to begin us anew at the base of the cross. And so we understand that place at the base of the cross to be welcoming to everyone and at the same time equalizing to everyone. That's why we as Lutherans don't consider our pastors to be above us or our bishops to be above us. They are walking along with us. They are trained to lead, but they are trained to lead as part of the congregation. They are trained to lead only because they are trained or they're leading only because we are trained. And at the same time, we are one of you we are part of the whole congregation of the priesthood of all believers. And so in this way, um, I, I always think of Martin Luther King Jr.'s um, beautiful statement in one of his books. I think it's the, the Strength to Love. Yeah, The Strength to Love is the name of the book. It's my favorite uh, quotation from Martin Luther King, and that is, anything that can happen, almost anything that can happen to me can be woven together to good for the purposes of God. It may break my self-centered pride, or it may lengthen my cords of sympathy but everything can be changed into the purposes of God. I'm doing this as my own memory, not completely by, the, by what he said. Um, the cross, he says, that was willed by wicked men has now become a way of salvation. It's been woven into the tapestry of redemption for all. And so in that way, I think we can look at the difficult things in our lives, the times that we stumble and fall, the times that we uh, forget and go the wrong direction, that that repentance and that forgiveness is so important that it's one of those last things that Jesus tells his disciples about as he's leaving them. He takes them to Bethany, and then from Bethany, which is right outside of Jerusalem, he begins to rise up and he blesses them. He leaves them with this blessing, and they're so filled with joy that they return. 
And we realize that Jesus has opened eyes and open minds and open hearts in different ways. But that is God touching us that opens our minds or our hearts. That is um, something that, you know, we don't understand something and then we go back and we try to figure it out. It's what actually sent me to seminary in some ways in the beginning um, as a 46-year-old mother of three whose kids were almost grown, I wanted to know more about how to touch the spirit, how to, how to hold on to the spirit in my life, how to, how to continue to have that refreshing and, and worshipful feeling in my life. And what I found in seminary is that uh, it's even harder to grasp because there's more places that you find the spirit than you expect and it's always somewhat hidden it's always kind of like the ocean that'll wash up something on the shore at times and it might give us an insight and then it also washes away so much of what we hope to see and buries it under all this water that we can't quite touch God all the time, that we help each other to grasp God when we come to these times where we worship together. And so like the disciples, we're called to be waiting in Jerusalem, as you, if you will. They're waiting in the temple, they're praying, they're worshiping, and they're hoping to be touched by God. And of course, they they do get touched by God later in the book of Acts. So may you be blessed in uh, feeling, feeling God's spirit in the things that you do, in the connections you have. And those of you that live by the ocean, you might look out there quite often and think of it as being that expanse of God. I think we always look at God as maybe a person or a big being somewhere up in the clouds, but actually God is that ocean that's surrounding us and washing over us and touching us all the time when we're not even aware of it. Amen.